Hello and welcome to Habemus Papam, episode 186, Nicholas III. Dear brothers and sisters, Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Habemus Papam. So we've already met the father of today's pope. His name was Matteo the Red Orsini, and he was the secular ruler of Rome who helped hold off Frederick II a couple of episodes back. Matteo married Perna Cayetani, and they had several sons, the second of which was Gian Gaetano Orsini, who was born around 1215. We know very little of his early life other than he was destined from the church, as many second sons were at that time from an early age. As I said, we know next to nothing about his studies or his early life, but historians do think he did serve the church in some capacity, but not as a deacon or priest. In 1244, Pope Innocent IV created Gian Gaetano, a cardinal deacon of the Church of San Nicola in Carcere, most likely out of deference for his father, Matteo Rosso, and to get him to fully stay on his side in his fight with Frederick II. Now, shortly after being named a cardinal, John Gaetano escaped with Pope Innocent from Frederick II to Lyon, where he participated in the First Council of Lyon. When he got back from Lyon with the Pope, he was assigned the diplomatic task of reconciling northern Italian nobles, which he apparently succeeded at. Pope Alexander IV appointed him to review the doctrinal dispute brewing at the University of Paris between the secular priests and the new mendicant orders, the Franciscans and the Dominicans primarily. Because his father had known St. Francis, John Gaetano was more sympathetic to the Franciscan side and was eventually appointed the Cardinal Protector of the Franciscan Order. From this point until he was elected Pope, Cardinal John Gaetano was one of the most respected and influential members of the College of Cardinals. His intervention led to the election of Pope Urban IV. He was one of the cardinals tasked with installing Charles of Anjou as King of Sicily. He was appointed the Grand Inquisitor by Urban IV in 1262. And one of his own nephews, Matteo, was named a cardinal by Pope Urban because of Cardinal Gian Gaetano's influence, as well as one of his brothers-in-law, Cardinal Giacomo Savelli. While influential, Cardinal Gian Gaetano was a force to be reckoned with, and not usually particularly merciful. His time as Grand Inquisitor was incredibly strict and heavy-handed, and he accomplished some of the diplomatic charges given to him with a ruthlessness that even the popes tried to rein in. This, combined with his family's power over Rome and surrounding areas, seemed to have alienated Cardinal John Gaetano from Pope Gregory X, and he seems to have not gone with Pope Gregory to the Second Council of Lyon. As things shifted, Cardinal John Gaetano did as well, leading the Roman-slash-Italian faction of cardinals who were hostile to Charles of Anjou against the more French fraction who were more favorable to him. When John XXI who seems to have fallen more on the Italian side of things, was elected. Cardinal John Gaetano was elevated by him to Archpriest of St. Peter's Basilica, and he was a particular papal counselor. Now, if you remember from past episodes, the process of electing popes had been broken for some times, and the remedy which had been given was suspended. John XXI was working on the new process when the ceiling of his study in Viterbo collapsed and killed him. And he hadn't created any new cardinals in his pontificate, nor had Innocent V or Adrian V, so the total number of cardinals stood at only seven, and Cardinal John Gaetano was by far the most senior member. Pope John XXI had died in May of 1277, and it wouldn't be until November 25th, 1277, that the cardinals finally selected on electing Cardinal John Gaetano Orsini as pope. 
He took the name Nicholas III, in part because of his titular church, was the Church of St. Nicholas in Chains, to whom he was particularly devoted. Now, the first thing on the docket for Pope Nicholas was to add some cardinals, since now the college was down to only six members. So on March 12, 1278, he created nine new cardinals, including his nephew, a Dominican priest named Latino Orsini, and his brother, Giordano Orsini. Now, this would be a good time to stop and talk a little bit about the role of Roman families in the papacy. This isn't the first time a particular family has exerted a lot of influence in Rome and even produced many popes. In the Dark Ages, we met the Tuscolani and the Crescenzi, who were feuding over the papacy often. Now, as they declined, they were replaced by other noble families. The Conti di Segni family has already produced a couple of popes, we know. And Pope Nicholas III is the second of the Orsini family to be made pope. The practice of naming nephews as cardinals, where we literally get the phrase nepotism from, nepotism comes from the word for nephew, only intensified the whole different Roman families had on the papacy. Now, interestingly enough, the Orsini family's biggest rivals going forward would be the Colonna family, which has been had its first cardinal appointed by Nicholas III, Cardinal Giacomo Colonna, who will be a big part of our story. Now, the Colonnas tended to be more ghibelline or pro-emperor, while the Orsini were staunchly pro-Guelph. Anyway, as we go forward, keep your eyes out for these Roman families, since their drama will continue to be a part of our story. Nicholas's first moves as pope would be to help establish a firmer autonomy for the papacy politically. If you remember, the papacy had been invited, had invited the French nobleman Charles of Anjou to take over Sicily in order to free them from the influence of the Ghibelline faction. But then Charles got a little too ambitious and had taken up some authority in Rome itself and in Tuscany. And so Nicholas moved early on to get Charles to give up his position as Roman senator and to free other papal territory from his outside claims. His nephews and other trusted Roman clerics whom he had appointed cardinals, he used to help firm up papal power in those areas. The only people he thought he could trust were really his family. He also sent ambassadors to help block Charles of Anjou's plans for conquest in the east. He sent his cardinals into northern Italy to negotiate peace between the warring factions of Guelph and Ghibellines, a mission which was moderately successful. And he also sent a group of Franciscan missionaries to the Far East to preach in what is now Iran and China. Nicholas, if you remember, was quite close to the Franciscans, who were still having arguments both among themselves and with more traditional church figures about their radical practice of poverty. Nicholas ruled in their favor that you can't possibly say that radical poverty is against the gospel in his bull Exit Qui Seminat. Nicholas III also started an ambitious building program in Rome, building the first portions of what are now the Papal Palace on the Vatican and the home of the Vatican Museums. He renovated St. Peter's Basilica and the Lateran Basilica as well. Nicholas III died on August 22, 1280 in Viterbo. Now his harsh nature and practice of nepotism haven't done him any favors historically. Dante puts him in hell in the Inferno, and he was buried in St. Peter's Basilica. You can still see his tomb there in the grottoes today, and was succeeded by Pope Martin IV. Thanks for listening to Abemus Papam. You can check out the rest of the Catholic Bites podcast at catholicbitespodcast.com or find us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you and God bless you.